Our body is actually created in order to fit your environment. And as soon as you try something else that belongs to other tribes, it might not be especially for you. You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm Maya Acosta, and I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. And today we are going to speak with a guest who will talk to us about various areas of how we can heal. She's actually an emotional mastery expert. Her name is Claire Chirong. I hope I said that right. Or Chirong, because I love your accent. After her 1500 plus hours of meditation practice, she helps people heal from toxic limiting patterns in relationships to reclaim their self-worth and heal from emotional eating and sugar addiction to embrace their life with joy and serenity. Welcome, Claire. Thank you very much, Maya. I am very, very excited to be here today to have this conversation with you regarding all of these topics that I've built my life until now. So yeah, here we go. <laughs> yes, here we go. I'm so excited because I feel like you're going to be of such benefit for my listeners. Now, I did say, you know, before we started recording that I've been on a path for a few years and it's only been in the most recent five years that I started waking up to doing the inner work again. My main focus had been recently, it's just all about nutrition, like how I began to learn that foods are powerful and that I needed to move away from the processed foods and the sugars. And you'll talk a little bit about that. You'll talk about emotional eating as well. My main focus recently had been on just nutrition and what nutrition can do for me in terms of healing my own like gut health, my mental health, reducing my anxiety and working with plants. In other words, incorporating more plants into my diet suddenly brought me back to the spiritual part of who I am and the emotional part. So now I'm back to doing the work. And this is why I'm bringing on more people on the show that are life coaches or that are trauma informed or that are empaths, or they can talk about energy work. So I'm an open book or very open to this conversation where it wants to go because I feel it's going to be beneficial to my listeners as well. Let's get to know you a little bit before we talk about what you specialize in. Tell us where you're at. And of course, my listeners will pick up on your accent. So tell us a little bit about who you are. So I am French. <laughs> this is why I have this accent. <laughs> well, everything's starting for me in 2017. This is where everything like uh, broke down. I think like, you know, you said you started five years ago to reconnect to yourself and to do the inner work. And then before we had like little conversation and you said that you separated yourself from this inner work and basically from your passion and yourself and your soul. And this is actually what happened to me for when I was like in high school and before during like seven years being very, very disconnected from myself. So basically when I was 10 years old, 
I knew I did my first dream board, vision board, where I was featuring the travels where I wanted to go, etc. And I got in touch with the law of attraction. Then, you know, you enter there the common path, you go to school, and then you get completely brainwashed by all the people that are around you and that say that your dreams will be never able to come true. And so basically it was like a very, very difficult time to go because during this time I have been obliged to listen to my very, very close relationships and you know what it is. And so I've been, I heard like, oh, you will do such a great engineer, you know, and you will be like such a great engineer for years. And then after high school, I chose this path. And the first month I entered this school, I felt directly into my heart, like, what am I doing here? It's not me. It's not my place. What am I doing? And so it lasted for a year and a half until I completely broke down. And I was like, I just can't go further anymore. Even if I was in apprenticeship, I was earning money at the same time that I was studying, you know? So for normal, like people who wants to stay in the box, this is like the dream life. And for me, it was like a complete nightmare. <laughs> and so I just decided to quit. And it took me a lot, a lot of courage to do this because everybody was against it. And it started at this very moment, it started to create a very, very big conflict within my close relationships. And so I basically ended up being alone without any, any support, just a few people, but you can like bury them on the fingers of your hands. And so this is at this moment that I actually discovered the power of meditation and visualization. And I discovered the work of the Dr. Joe Dispenza. And so I started to use my brain and to visualize and internalize and feel and embody every single thing that I wanted to make come true into my life. Basically, there was four things that I wanted. First, I wanted to quit my engineering school. Then I wanted to be a personal trainer in personal development. Then I wanted to live for a while in Los Angeles. And then secretly, I wanted to meet my soulmate. Like finally the person I could like tell everything and share this adventure with, you know? <laughs> and so this actually happened. After five months, I quit my engineering school. I got to travel for eight months. I got invited in Sedona to share my story of how I basically transformed my whole reality in five months only. I got the opportunity to organize two retreats, personal retreats of one week each in Quebec. I've never, like... I was in France organizing the, and traveling, organizing the retreats. I never organized anything before, but I did it. And it was such a challenge and so rewarding. And, um, finally I met my partner 
And from all of this, some other great and big events happened, and I'm sure that I will share them further in the interview. But basically, this is where everything started. This was like the breaking points of what created me. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Are you, oh, are yeah, you assume that, that you are still... Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, so congratulations. It's almost five years right now, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. So let's go back to how you started your story. You said you were around 10 years old when you discovered the power of really being able to manifest, like you internally believed in your ability to manifest a life that you wanted until you began yeah. to hear otherwise. And we we're highly influenced by the people around us at that time. So you were very, very young. Was the material of the law of attraction already available out there? And that's how you learned about it? Or how did you know about the law of attraction? So I'm sure the answer won't be like original or special. I started with The Secret, like the very famous book, The Secret and the movie. And I remember it was like at the end of the weekend, I remember my parents coming back home and giving me like what they called a life plan, like plan of life. Anyway, so it was a big paper sheet and it told me if you put everything that you want on this, you put the pictures of what you want and you can even write the things that you want, it will come true. And at this age, you are very, very innocent and you kind of believe everything, you know? And I had these big eyes looking at them like, really? It's like, yeah, I mean, just try it out. And so I did it. I was so passionate about this. I put all of my emotions into it. And so I stuck on the pictures that I wanted to go to uh, see the Hollywood sign in Los Angeles. I wanted to see the Statue of Liberty in New York City. And some I wanted to also go in Corsica. And after this, I just put my dream board away. And this happens not immediately, but five years after when I was 15 years old, I just magically manifested a week in New York City. Uh, two years after, I manifested a three-week uh, travel in the West of America. And so I was able to see the Hollywood sign. And one year after, if I remember well, I got the opportunity to go and work in a five-star hotel in Corsica for two months. And this experience was like, when I went there, I was almost crying because I was like, wow, this is exactly what I wanted to experience. And, uh, and so from this, my 10 years old, this is where I really started to actually use the power of the law of attraction with this. This is amazing. And I'm loving what you're saying because I don't have these conversations anymore with people. I was so involved at one time in that whole idea of being a deliberate, intentional creator. I don't remember when the movie or the book, The Secret, came out. But I want to share this with you because you mentioned Sedona. Sometime between 2005 and 2008, I had been on my own journey. 
And I love vacationing alone when I was single. That's just a thing that I really enjoyed. And I remember I was in Sedona and I had just come off a helicopter tour that was, you know, taking me around to see the Sedona area. And I came down from that airport area down to a restaurant and I was just wanting to have like a miso soup or something light. And so I go into the restaurant and I'm the only person and the waiter serves me. And then he comes back and he says, do you mind if I sit with you and chat? And I said, okay, sure. Why not? I never felt like he was trying to hit on me or anything like that. It was just more like, hey, I'd like to invite you to this thing that's happening this evening here in Sedona. And I don't remember if I attended. I don't think I did because I don't remember. But the thing is that we never had another conversation. What ended up happening was that my family is from the Phoenix area. There was a death in the family around the time that I was in Sedona. So I had to return back to Phoenix. And I remember I somehow contacted him and said, I'm not going to be able to meet you or attend that thing that you suggested, but I'm going to come back to my room in Sedona and pick up my things and fly back to Texas because I was living in Texas at the time. And he said, before you do that, will you meet me for coffee? So we met for coffee and then chatted a little bit more. And then he gave me a $20 bill and he said, go to this particular store and buy yourself a copy of The Secret. <laughs> And I said, what? So I did. I bought the book. I don't remember if it was the book or the movie because I eventually had everything. I bought everything. And that was the beginning of my understanding that I'm creating my own life through my actions, through my thoughts. And so this is kind of one of the first times that I speak with my audience, my listeners about this, because I'm so focused on the other aspects of lifestyle medicine. But this is really internally like where my path started was in the law of attraction, the secret. So I love that you're here. And when I learned about you, I immediately liked you, resonated with your energy. And another thing that I'm hoping that we can talk about as we continue our conversation is how you help bring women back to their femininity because there's so much power in that, isn't there? Oh my God. Yes. And first I have a question for you. How did you feel the energy in Sedona? Isn't it like, oh my, so immensely powerful? <laughs> Yes. So a lot of people don't know this, but we migrated when I was a child from Mexico to the States, to Arizona. And then when, you know, growing up, my father always took us up north to Prescott, to Flagstaff, to camp. We spent a lot mm -hmm. of time that way. And we would stop or drive through Sedona when I was little. Sedona, before it became, I don't want to say commercialized, but it's very, very busy now, bumper to bumper. But I knew Sedona it, at its raw state, you know, without a lot of construction. And mm -hmm. ever since I was a child, I was drawn to Sedona. And my parents would sort of shame me and tell me, you know, there's all this weird stuff that goes there, you know, the crystals and all of that. But for me, it has always been a sacred place, always. And when I've gone, every time I go to Arizona to visit my family, I take a day trip by myself or I go overnight to Sedona. I have done the Vortex tours and now I just know where I want to go. But yes, when I heard you say that you did a retreat there, that you offered something in Sedona, I was like, that's the ideal place. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I want to be to receive these lectures and this understanding. So, yeah, I love it. How long have you stayed in Sedona? So I just had a few days, like three days or something. But 
I was there with my partner that like five year partner now I met him. Like when I was there, it was like only 10 days that we knew each other. And in Sedona, we lived some tremendous spiritual experiences there. It was like, I've never lived that before. It was very, very, very special. It was like a very self-discovery of the soul there with the amplification of the energy. This is actually my favorite place in the world. This is, oh my God, Sedona. <laughs> I started at some point, probably, like I said, around 2005, 2008, between those years when I was really getting into a lot of this stuff, I started going to this one particular shop that will do the aura photo, as you mm -hmm. know. You know, yeah. they'll take a photo of your aura and they'll do a little reading. And early on, I was told a couple of things, which was I have a lot of spirit guides. So if people have maybe one or two, I'm surrounded by support. And the mm. other thing is, and I've always known is that I'm more of a coach or a guide or a teacher. And that's what I'm destined to do. And I've always have seen myself as that person that I want to help other people. And I feel like I'm doing it now with the podcast. Like I'm still helping to educate, even though like I don't have a classroom of people in front of me. So that's been my favorite. And the last time I was in Sedona, I tried to go there to get another aura reading and they were just booked. They're like, no, now you have to book one or two weeks in advance because <laughs> they're that busy now. <laughs> so... um <laughs> Tell us more. How did you get started? Um, because so you learned that you can manifest things. After all of this, you manifested your partner, your trips. And I want to throw one more thing in there since we're getting to know each other. I feel like I manifested my husband because I started to make that very detailed list of what I wanted in a partner at a point where I had, I had reached a point where I said, I'm no longer to set, I'm not going to settle anymore for just whoever shows up. I know what I want in a partner. I want someone who's compatible, who's intelligent. Uh, one of the things was someone who loves to sail. And that's what brought us together, the sailing. But someone who loves the water, loves music. I knew that I wanted someone intelligent. And I knew I wanted someone that's more more grounded in, than myself. Because I'm the one that <laughs> can easily fly away like a butterfly. <laughs> I <get> you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then it was when I learned about him, when I got to know him, that I understood that. And I didn't really know this, but I guess my feminine energy is stronger and he's more stronger in his masculine. And I began to see the duality and the difference in that as well. It wasn't apparent because I was single for so long. Like I was just used to doing my own thing. And then when I came to him, I just kind of defaulted to a certain place in my life. Coming back to my femininity is something that I'm very drawn to. There is a lot of power in tuning into our inner wisdom and our intuition. And what I love about the feminine energy is just letting go, just allowing. So if you'd like to talk to us about that, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this is a, a big topic. So for me, it started after I've discovered. So after I met my partner, we decided to actually just a few days after we met, we decided to create a coaching business together. And so he's helping men actually to forge their character and identity into their masculine energy. And so I'm doing it for women. And so like, this is very yin yang. 
<laughs> and actually you spoke about your partner and your husband. And so the discovery of my femininity really started with him. And this is actually thanks to him that I've been able to enable myself and to actually really, truly, we can truly speak about unlocking the stuck energy in our body. Because actually what happens is that after these eight months of trip, I had a, an ayahuasca ceremony with my partner, a very, very intense one. And from this, I don't recommend ayahuasca to anyone anymore. <laughs> anyway, this is another story, but this... Well, let me interject. If I could just interject, where did you do the ayahuasca? And why would you not recommend it? Oh, so I did it in Los Angeles and I don't recommend it because I wasn't ready for this. I think I was there like for the curiosity of what it was. But when you are coming from a dysfunctional family, so this is where actually I will speak about the femininity because what happened is that two years after this, I realized that I was actually living in sort of toxic relationship dynamics within my family. And what happened is that during this time, when you are between 10 years old and 17 years old, normally you have the time to develop yourself from being a child to being a young, an adolescent, to being a young human, uh, woman, to being a grown adult, isolated from your body. You are very sh ashamed about your body. And this is what happened with a lot, a lot, a lot of people. You are disconnected from your emotions. Basically, you are numbing yourself without knowing it and you don't know what you like really, you are doing things because other things are doing it or it's like, oh, you should look, you should like that. And so you do that, but you are never, never in touch with the feelings of, oh, I do this because I really, really liked it. And this is so joyful for me. This is a feeling I didn't know. I've never, ever experienced for so many years. And so I was completely disconnected from my body. And the thing is that when you do ayahuasca or these plant-based medicines, you have to be tremendously grounded in your body. Otherwise, a part of your soul is like caught by a layer of the reality. And so what happened during this experience is that I was completely immersed in this kaleidoscope reality and a part of my men of my mind was like for several several hours so if you want first i drank a cup and a half of ayahuasca i am super like thin like this i ate nothing before and i just kept everything in my body I didn't throw up anything. And so the experience for me, for all of the people, it lasted between like four hours to six hours. For me, it lasted 24 hours. It was the worst 24 hours of my life. <laughs> and actually I was so completely afraid for a few hours that my mind would be stuck forever in this 
other reality because I was living my body like truly. And so after this, I, but at the same time, I think it helped me like to release and to show me a lot of dysfunctions inside my body. But at the same time, I developed really severe hypersensitivity to screens. I couldn't watch a phone screen or desktop screen for more than five minutes. My brain was a microwave for a year and a half after this a microwave. It was like I had ping pong balls in my brain going to one hemisphere to another. And it was like really magnetic inside. And so, of course, I experienced really electrified Kundalini awakenings and all of this. And so, yes, this is part of the reason why, and there are other parts that I don't want to share publicly, but uh, these are some of other things that I, and you know, we don't need any plant medicines to really like awaken ourselves because I don't think that this is a form of awakening. It's more like what it is, is that when you belong to a certain community of in the world and you go and try some other practices that belong to others, ethnicities, you are not biologically framed to actually receive this ayahuasca roots and to digest well and to react properly. You know, it's like when you are French and so when you try to eat Indian food, then the reaction might not be very, <laughs> very pleasant. You know, it's exactly the same. Our body is actually created in order to fit your environment. And as soon as you try something else that belongs to other uh, tribes, then it might not be especially um, so for you. Yeah, <laughs> so well for you. And what comes to mind is if we believe that we manifest through our thoughts and, you know, if we just believe that, even if you don't believe it, Absolutely. you <laughs> actually are manifesting your reality. Then it, it, from what I hear about ayahuasca is that we face our worst fears. Mm -hmm. So whatever we believe about life, depending on, you know, our upbringing, our culture, some of those fears then just become reality through th this experience of going between dimensions um, is what you're saying. And yeah, I'm becoming more and um, involved with the Wim Hof breathing. And now someone else uh, that came through Dallas, I think his name is pronounced Vitali, who combines Wim Hof with some of the psychological knowledge that he knows about, move, you know, doing this energy work. And I did the heavy breathing for an hour and a half in a group of like over 200 people. And you know, he guides you up and you're just like, what am I doing? And then you come down and yeah. that's a lot more guided, I think. And yeah. uh, I went through some stuff that I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Whoa, this is scary. But I felt in control because I've been doing the grounding exercises with my coach. So there are some things that you need in place. Yeah. I agree. So that you can come back and ground yourself and say, this is where I'm at. I'm doing the work, but I'm here. I'm here right now, as opposed to... um I don't know. I've never done drugs like acid, but I've heard that some people can never come back. Like they go off a trip and they never come back from that. It sounds like that ayahuasca can happen. You know, what ayahuasca can do for people is sometimes have them question reality and then they can't function on this platform. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is actually after this that 
I was obliged to actually reconnect to myself and to my femininity. Because after this, I actually lived for two, three years of repeat, burnout on repeat again and again and again. Every three days I was on burnout because I was trying like to build a coaching business. And the thing is that I didn't know why, but before this, like I could like do normal things, uh, put videos on YouTube and all do all the things that actually make you feel, uh, make you be visible and actually, um, live normally. Um, but I couldn't do all of these things. And actually I understood a little later that it was because the way I've grown up before was not suitable for an, a healthy lifestyle for allowing life into my body and into my life and to uh, manifest even more of what I wanted. And so basically I realized that I had a lot, a lot of traumas within myself. And so when I speak about femininity, I'm always saying that actually I was forced, I was obliged because otherwise I would be stuck in burnouts and depression and severe unmotivation. Because when you hit the wall, when your body is shutting down like this, there is always a reason about this. And it's always because the lifestyle that you have, that you're having right now and the habits that you have are not healthy, are not fitted for yourself. So they are not suitable. And so as hard as it can be for us to change them and as hard as we are like, we are holding these habits and these ways of living in the, I need to prove myself through the work that I am doing in order to be loved from others. And all of these patterns, as hard as we want to hold on them, we have to actually let go of them uh, heal them in order to realign ourselves with the way the nature has actually uh, created us. And there is a huge difference between a man and between a woman. And when we are living in a dysfunctional family, unfortunately, every very often we are actually raised as either as a man or as a little uh, boy or in a, in, um, because I don't believe in, um, in a masculine energy is wrong. No, this is not wrong. What is bad is are the toxic patterns that we are used to live by. And so the goal was to actually realize that the way I was living was completely from the beginning, completely dysfunctional from the life that I wanted to live. So for instance, the way I imagined myself was like feeling joyful all the time, feeling this concept of what is to live in the flow. Everybody like talk about this, awaken your sensuality and uh, let go and live with the flow. And you're like, okay, that sounds good, but right now I just don't know how to do it. And I don't even know if this is possible. And 
actually this is possible when you start to reconnect to your body. And so this is why living with my partner has tremendously helped me to actually see first what is to live in a healthy relationship and second to, to feel the masculine presence, what, what it is to be with a, a masculine man. And in order for me to let go of this part of myself and to allow this more feminine, uh, joyful, more flow, more relaxed, more feeling more supported and letting go of, of the rest, you know? That's beautiful. I love how you said that. And as a matter of fact, I've been thinking about as you talk about that, I was thinking about what I've been working on in terms of my own journey. So you said that you felt that you had to do more and that almost like you have to prove yourself by doing more, even though you want to experience the flow. I feel that what I've been working through is this limiting idea that in order for me to be loved and appreciated, I have to like do a lot and improve myself. Like I have to prove to the world that I'm worthy of being loved. That comes from childhood trauma that I've been working on. But as a result of doing that, I get into this again, like you said, there's nothing wrong with describing or embracing our masculine and feminine side, but I get into this work, 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 work mode. And my husband is the one that has said, I wish you would do less. If you could be softer, because that's how he, when he met me, that's how I was. I was more in the flow. Of course, I was also at the time living in San Diego. So the energy was different <laughs> and I was more open and free flowing and right. And when you're in that flow state, you manifest even faster. I feel like it's not as limiting as I got to do, do, do. And no matter how much I do, it's never enough. For me, not that anyone else demands it of me. It's for me. I put this stress on my own self. And so how were you able to move into that beautiful feminine energy? So before going to the beautiful energy, you have to go like very, very, very down <laughs> into yourself. And so you have to... <sighs> God. So... First, this process doesn't take just one week. This is like a very, very ongoing process because you have different layers of your identity, of your personality. The first thing that actually, yeah, it was, I think, like the starting point of this. It was realizing, surprisingly, that as a woman, I actually didn't work. Okay, so... Right now, it might be like a controversial, but let's go there <laughs> because it's so important. Right now, we are in the boss babe era, you know, we are independent woman era. We are in the, I have to be so strong and prove to men that I don't need any man in my life. All right. But the thing is that all of these behaviors have a lot, a lot of forceful energy and a lot, a lot of manly energy. And it's really, really interesting because when we look at these couples where the woman is behaving this way and uh, usually has like the whole business running and the man has less, 
she has the most of masculine energy and it's actually the man is giving his power away to the woman. And this is unfortunately destroying the dynamics between feminine and masculine energy within the couple relationship. And so unfortunately, I'm kind of a protector of men because I understand more and more how this works and how women are trying like to take the advantage over men while we need to acknowledge that men are very, very, very necessary because they are the workforce and they are the people that have the innate energy to build the things, to build the, the foundations of everything. And truly without Emmanuel, my partner, I wouldn't ever, ever had zero chance to have the ability to build this coaching business and to help the women and to heal from everything. This would have been like uh, really impossible. And my point is that at um, for so many years, I wanted like to be a CEO. I wanted like to have a company to my name and there is nothing wrong with this. The thing is that I was putting a lot of masculine and directive and authoritative energy in this. And because you know of my past conditionings, you have to like to, to succeed and to be this and to be that. And, but all of this belongs to a more masculine energy. And some women have this and like this, but for me, it was not suitable. It was not healthy and I couldn't hold this energy in a healthy way. And so huge breakdown was like, wow, actually I thought that I wanted like a, to be a CEO of a company, but actually I just don't want this at all. What I want to do is I want to genuinely open my heart to help people, men and women who need my energy during this lifetime in order to help them to evolve in their own lives. And this has nothing to do with being somebody in the hierarchy. I hope I said it well <laughs> in the society. And this was a huge discussion that we had with my partner about this and first understanding and letting go of this idea of wanting to control who like the place and the role I wanted to have and really be honest about the real desires, your true desires of what you really, really, really want deep down. Do you really, really want to work that hard? What do you have to prove? And I said this like very easily, but unprogram all of this, it takes work. And this happens in the body with somatic practices that I use every day. And a lot of time I don't sleep a lot at night because I get awakened by the traumas in order to be healed because a lot of time actually more relaxed at night. And so all of the traumas that need to come up like awaken. So it's quite intense, but releasing this need to actually please a certain societal pattern role that we have to be to like be the free and independent woman that we thought we have to be was really intense, but really, really freeing. And so 
the most of the work is, uh, turns around really and is really focused about why do I really, really, really deep down from my heart want to be, want to do, want to share with others, want to say. It's a constant mm. work of realigning yourself with your truth. And it is scary. It is very, very scary because you have so many fears inside of you. But at the same time, I realize, you know, I don't like to work, you know, even if it's like I, people like look like, see, you are working. No, I'm just doing what, what is putting me on fire, you know, but, um, I'm stopping to do things in a forceful way. Uh, this has been a huge part also of my reconditioning. It's like before you have to do things that you don't like, very force yourself to do it. It's like, no, now I don't like that. So I don't do it. Period. Yes, I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so let me just clarify. So the majority of my listeners are women probably between the ages of 40 and 65 or so. If they're in the States, they have definitely, like myself, been raised to, you know, be the best that you can as a woman. And that includes playing all the roles, wearing different hats, being very, very busy. That's kind of like how I feel I was raised in this culture. And it only became apparent to me when I started mingling with other Latin women or Latinx women, Latinas, who grew up in their state, in their countries. And then we did these comparisons and it's like a little more relaxed over there than the way I was raised. It was very obvious. You know, you're always busy. You don't take time to socialize or to unwind, to relax. I was raised by, even though my mother has been married or at the time was married for, you know, for many, many years, my mother early on left her first marriage while she was pregnant with the third child and then became you know, got married again and had a fourth child. And in her mind, I didn't know about all this when I was little, but she raised her four daughters, including, you know, myself, four daughters to be very independent because she knew what it was like to be a single mother who could barely make ends meet. And I don't talk about this, but at one point we were homeless. So she was living on the streets with four daughters that reality of hers is what caught what had her kind of place this idea in our minds that we as women can be very, very vulnerable. And because of that, we have to do everything in our power to not end up in a very difficult situation. Therefore, you have to get your education. You have to have your own career so that you can be very independent. And so that's how I was raised. And so and it clearly my three sisters are the heads of their homes. It's very obvious. My sisters can manifest and make anything happen. They're strong women. The idea of, and I hear what you're saying, not everybody has that choice, as you know, to take a step back and relax into life because now they've created a life where they're so busy. They're raising children. They're still working. This whole idea of being an independent woman. And I was that woman when I was in college, I declared myself an independent woman pro women. I'm all about that. And I decided <laughs> kind of like you, I think in an early age, well, I don't remember if you said this, but I decided early on, I didn't want to get married. And I didn't want to have children. My purpose in life was going to be to have a career. 
that was what I wanted for myself. And then I met my husband. (laughs) And when I met him, kind of like what you said, I realized that I was tired. I realized I am so tired. I've worked so hard. I've been taking care of myself all of these years. I'm drained. Mm -hmm. And I've never been able to relax into who I am as a woman the beautiful energy of a woman. And and I'm still struggling with that because my husband has said to me, you don't have to work, do what you want to do. And even when I've chosen my passion, I work, 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 work. I place too much on my plate. And I'll wrap up this by saying that I have had glimpses of what it's like to let go and not do so much. And I love my energy. When I see that, when I have those windows, I love it. And uh, many, many years ago, I took all mm-hmm. these trainings on understanding men and their desires and their psychology. And it was at that time that I decided that uh, I would no longer emasculate a man. So at that point, I decided I would never be in that group of women that speak against men. And, about, you know, you say that you're a defender of men. I feel that same way that I now understand a little bit more, but I'm still struggling in terms of coming into my energy. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be a couch potato watching TV all day and not doing anything. It means that I do things differently, right? So, yeah, I want to reframe what I've said uh, a little bit, uh, just to deepen the understanding of this, because it's not about giving up any of your dreams or career goals of all of this. Because to me, this is not, this does not belong to career, right? But this is part of your mission as a soul on this planet Earth during your lifetime. The difference is in the energy and the way you are actually doing and acting. There are two different ways of actually living. The first one is um, the way you are forcing yourself, you are hustling, you are basically going against life, against the flow. And so you can achieve tremendous things, but usually you will hit burnout uh, very quickly. And so this is actually the energy of very, we can find very famous men achieving a lot of things, but at the same time, they have a very, very frantic energy. And this very frantic energy is disconnected from the body. And in order for them to sustain on the long run, they actually need most of the time to take drugs, take things to actually give them energy. So this belongs like to the, to the head area. Then you have the second way of living, which is actually letting go. The, the work in this is not to change your goals and your dreams, because for me, I will never change everything. These things like, uh, are like making me alive, but the way I am changing myself in the paradigm in which I am living, it's like understanding that there are things that I can do differently in a more soothing energy and not relaxing all the time. Because truly, I don't want to relax all day long. I want to live 
deeply connected to my body. You know, I've tried to do nothing for a year, like truly for a year to relax and to do all of these things. It leads to nothing, to nothing because it's another way of escaping your reality. And I'm very, very familiar with escapism, with meditation, with ayahuasca. I went into out of my body a lot of time, like mentally out of my body. And it took me like a lot of years to really connect in here and to be connected to my chakras. And what's really interesting is that the healness of the world is the three first chakras, the root, the sacral and the solar plexus are all blocks. And the thing is that all the healing is in these third three chakras. And so the work to actually shift into this other way of living, into this other reality, is actually to work on these chakras and on unlocking all of the emotions and the chains that actually keep you from fully opening your heart, opening yourself and expressing who you are. And people who are doing the work can actually, after they do the work, seem to manifest while relaxing. But what, what they don't say is that before they worked for years and years and years and they work smart. What I want to say is that they did some action, but most of the work has been to recondition themselves to actually allow the flow of life to enter and to surrender into their body. And so instead of listening to the ideas of their mind, oh, this is a great idea. Okay, so let's do it right now, right now, right now. I'm like, I did it like so many times and it never led to anything. But when you actually reconnect to your body, there is this feeling of, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's in there, you know, and it feels stable. It feels safe. It feels relaxed. And so you don't need to actually take a hold here to relax because everything that you are doing, instead of being in a stressful way, is now in a stable, safe, and relaxed way. So this is a completely new way of living, and this is a lifestyle change. I'm so glad that you clarify that because, and I sort of gathered that about you, you're not discouraging women. And right now I'm just specifically talking about women from necessarily moving away from the life that they have right now, the goals yep. and their dreams. It's more about like what I think it's more about like learning how to recharge ourselves. And when you say doing things differently, it's probably maybe you'll give us more examples, but probably not putting too much on our plate, not demanding so much of ourselves. If you can answer that. And then the other question I had about chakras, when you said that the first three chakras are blocks, are you saying that they're the first three chakras are the foundation that if we work on that foundation, that everything else just can flow more easily? Absolutely. So you know what you speak comes from the root chakra. And so everything that you speak when you have unhealed traumas is coming from a place of unsafety. And so everything that you do is coming from a place of unsafety. And so the relationships 
the money and the health problems are all coming from the root chakras, all related to this. So to answer your first questions, the not putting too much on your plate, etc., is actually the consequence of the work that you do. So I will clarify a little bit more. The work that I help women doing is a complete reconditioning of their energy. And so the work that they do and that I do is not about what actions should I do or should I not do. Of course, there are some of these things, but this is the surface level of the transformation. The 90% of what is happening is shifting the way you think, unlocking your chakras, healing your traumas, and really feel the shift and the softness, the feeling yourself basically distressify. And from this, you will actually, once the energy is shifted, you will naturally be led to do things in a different way. Naturally, you will feel like, I don't want to do this anymore, or I still want to do this, but in a very different way. Or right now, before I was doing something, this was not joyful, but I'm finding a new way, more pleasant with, uh, I don't know if you are building a website, let's say with better graphics, or you are building your identity in another way. So, okay. For a majority of our lives, we have been with a lot of filters and in a way with an identity that can be mostly not ours. And this is such a deep wound that we carry for years until we start to unravel this. And so the work is actually to reconnect, to detach ourselves from everything that made us until now that we thought we should be, that we thought we were. And so we are just taking a layer at a time to reconnect truly to ourselves and to our body. And so when you do this at the moment, you have this feeling of you want to let go of certain things. And so what you said is like the consequence of doing this work. And now about the three chakras, what is your question again? <laughs> well, actually, uh, you might have covered it because I was thinking this as well, is that when you said that the first three chakras are the blocks, and I said, are they the foundation of how we manifest? So if yeah. I feel that what you're saying, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like what you're saying is that we're really functioning from the subconscious. So the fears and limiting beliefs that lie in those first three chakras are what are driving us to make the choices that we're making. And I don't know if that's what you're saying, but part of it is that, like I was talking about my only, mm -hmm. my limiting beliefs that I'm not enough, I'm not good enough because I just was not acknowledged or recognized growing up by my own family. So I do, and I do, and I do, and I do that subconsciously. Of course, now I'm more aware of it to be loved and appreciated. I want someone to value me. So because of that, I do and I do and I do. And as I heal that work, as I do the work and I heal through those limiting beliefs, those fears that are lie in those first three chakras, as I do the work, 
then I'm becoming aware that I still love what I'm doing because I'm helping people. But now I'm not doing it from a place of needing to be loved and accepted. I'm doing it from a place of wanting to give back, of being offering, like using my energy to help support others in their healing. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And actually, the feeling of never feeling enough comes from directly from the root chakra. And so the, the cycle is more about the pleasure, the sexuality wants. When you unlock them, this is very, very powerful. <laughs> you might feel extremely tired for a few days and cry a lot, cry a lot. And actually crying is such a wonderful therapy. I cry so, so much. And my partner now learns, has learned that when I cry, everything is good. <laughs> this means that I'm releasing old stuff. <laughs> this is perfect. And so it's like, okay, she's crying. <laughs> Let's cry. And the third is related to your identity and your self-affirmation. I love that. And, you know, you touched on this earlier about how I, we numb ourselves. And this week, as we're recording this, I'm featuring the topic of sobriety. And I'm beginning to talk about that a lot more on my podcast, encouraging people towards making healthier choices. But one of the things that I learned mm -hmm. from my guests that came on the show was that she doesn't just encourage people to go sober by moving away from drugs and alcohol to create a life where one, they're thriving, but number two, a life where they basically don't want to numb themselves from that. Yeah, And that's what you're talking about as well in many ways is that we want to work and heal so that we're not numbing ourselves. And we numb ourselves by being busy. But there are many different ways that we numb ourselves, but we don't want to feel the feelings that lie down mm -hmm. in those first three chakras, I think. So feel free to add more. But, you know, the insecurity, I'm insecure. I have low self-esteem, whatever it may be that I'm dealing with and that's driving all my choices. Sometimes, especially as women, we're busy, busy, busy. Well, after a long day of being busy, I want to drink, right? Like that's how I'm going to numb myself now so that I can not feel the things that I still have been feeling all along, which is I'm not good enough or whatever it may be. So please tell us more about that. And if you'd like to give us some tips as to what we can do today to start moving towards a healthier perspective, feel free. Yeah. So there are two things. The first thing are the screens. Uh, screens are completely <laughs> just we are crazy with the screens uh, screens are very very mental and uh, put our minds in beta waves and uh, very often in high beta waves which are related to the stress to the feeling of stress and hyper stimulations and so when you are in this state of mind this is very very difficult you actually can't connect to your body you know you are you start to feel disconnected from yourself one very interesting thing that I have actually um, discovered through myself and my clients is that we have a conditioning that during the day, the work day, when the sun is high in the sky, you know, during the day, we are conditioned to be in our mind. It's like you wake up, okay, go. What do I have to do now? <laughs> what do I have to do? It's not... What do I have to be? Who do I have to be? It's like, what do I have to do to achieve this, to feel valued and to prove myself that I am the best and blah, blah, blah. And so I found very difficult to 
really connect to my body in the morning instead of connecting to my body in the evening. It's that naturally our conditioning is like you wake up, you do the thing, you achieve. By the end of the day, you feel like, ha, ah, I did enough thing so that right now I can relax and I can be like relax. And so this is really interesting because for a lot of time, my partner and I actually noticed that we are more productive after 6 p.m. So in France, it's pretty late, <laughs> like very late, <laughs> like the Spanish people. <laughs> but anyway, and so we start to be productive by 4 p.m., 6 p.m. until 8, 9 p.m. And so it's like this is the time span that we have or we signal the subconscious and the body a signal like, oh, right now you can relax. And so when I am in this state, it's like all the ideas are just coming right now without doing anything. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And so your question was, what can you do right now to live in a healthier way? Right? So you can start by installing in your life um, evening routine, a night routine. Because the sleep is very, very important, especially for women to actually relax and reconnecting and feeling this rejuvenated sensation when you wake up in the morning. So it's very, very important to have at least eight hours of sleep. Right now, for seven years, I've been uh, deprived of sleep a lot. I was sleeping very, very little. And so right now I sleep 10 hours per night. And when I sleep less, I need to sleep more during the day. And so the sleep first. And so in order to encourage the sleep, we'd be like to create an evening routine so to stop the screens at least like two hours before going to sleep and to stretch yourself. The first step is to learn to reconnect to your body by stretching yourself. You can do yoga or normal stretching. I prefer actually normal stretching when you stay a long time in certain poses because this is there. Your subconscious actually is not only in your mind. Your subconscious is all the hidden parts of your body. And so it goes from your top of your head to your toes. Literally, I'm not kidding, you have such a lot of tensions in your feet. <laughs> this is incredible. And so my first advice will be really end step. And this is a huge one because if you keep like really religiously stretching yourself every day, when you feel tension, it will help you to really start to release a lot of stress and to yeah, start to release the stress, the tensions, and to feel more relaxed. These are like the first step that I would give because the beginning is to start to reconnect to the sensations of your body, to remind yourself that you have a body, to put some relaxing music during the stretching, and this is a nice time you know, to have at the end of the day before you, you go to sleep. This is wonderful. I'm glad that you touch on sleep because I feel so many of us are sleep deprived just because we're so busy. One thing that has worked for me since I learned about Wim Hof, the power of the breath now works for me. So when I struggle 
in terms of like the busy mind is not allowing me to sleep. I lie there and I just do the deep breathing exercises and let go, take deep breaths and then let go. And before you know it, I fall asleep and it works every single time. But that's because I've started to get into the practice of Wim Hof breathing, of being very aware of my breath throughout the day. It's not perfect. (laughs) I still forget sometimes, but I remember to breathe. Well, this has been wonderful. There's so much I feel like we can talk about, and we didn't touch on the topic of sugar. (laughs) However, I know that you have a couple of programs. So if people are interested in working with you or learning about how you overcame your sugar addiction, how can they follow up and learn more about you? So first, I will speak directly about the programs that are related to our conversations, because there might have some women who want like to deepen their love relationships. So I have a program called Dream Mate, which is where actually this is Dream Board to Dream Mate, because this is like very, very, <laughs> very, very funny. And so this is a course that I created with Emmanuel, with my partner. And so we are both in front of the camera teaching how to create a dream board that works in order to attract love. And so there are a couple of other two programs that go with them. One is called Golden Couple. And this is like 10 golden rules to create an unbreakable couple. So especially if you are already in a relationship or if you want to learn how to have healthy ways of behaving in a relationship in order to keep your man, then this will be perfect for you. And I have for to reconnect to the femininity and to heal from the toxic limiting ways of living everything that we have basically talked during this episode. I have a six month transformation called Sovereign, Sovereign in English, but I wanted to keep the French name. Uh, so sovereign. And so we go very, very deep into this uh, transformation and, uh, This is my favorite program. (laughs) I actually look forward to that. I've taken workshops in the past like that. And like I said, I'm coming back to it all. But it's a beautiful thing when you learn how to step into your feminine energy and honor your significant other. If, If you are with a masculine partner, it's so beautiful to be able to honor each other's energy that way. And yeah, it's just, it's got me reminiscing and I feel like it's so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. And then you did say also that you have an additional story that we didn't cover about overcoming a sugar addiction and now you support people as well. So would you like to tell us about those programs? Yeah, absolutely. So I have two programs about this. The first one is, uh, I'm sorry for the light. (laughs) I didn't expect that. Anyway, so the first one is a very, very powerful challenge called empowered eating. And so this is a whole concept of help you understand that you have the power over the food and that as any addiction, food is not here to actually control your life. So basically, if you are thinking about what you will eat in the morning, in the evening, If you are just craving special food during the day, like chocolate, pizza, cheese, this delicious uh, cake, (laughs) and you are like yummying yourself every time you think about food, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I love food, by the way, but through actually all of this, my body is unable to eat uh, sugar, dairies, and gluten anymore. So I live without all of this in my life. This has been like a, an obligation from my body because I just can't <laughs> anymore. And this creates some dizziness in my mind if I do eat them. And so I realized that sugar is a real, real poison. It doesn't have to be in our body. It doesn't belong to the body. It's not natural. Even if we need glucose, um, sugar can come from other sources than direct sugary thing. So the, the first challenge is to help you to be aware about the root causes of why you are actually eating emotionally, you are addicted to sugar, you are binge eating, and you have so many cravings. So this is empowered eating. And the second one is also one of my signature programs, which is Amazon Nutrition. And so this is the whole transformation about healing old emotional attachments to food and to reconnecting to your body. So this is not, what I love about this program is that this is not only related to food, especially because your food behaviors is a consequence of how you are actually living. And so this is a full reconnection to your body. And this is a full reconnection to your desires because a lot of the time you eat your success. So stop eating your success <laughs> and come and, and heal all of this. So this is uh, the healing work and the deep change of paradigm happens in Amazon Nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for adding those additional tips on food itself. Yes, we definitely talk a lot about nutrition on this podcast. And we understand that people are dealing with, there are individuals that are dealing with addiction. And so the fact that you address getting to the root cause and then teaching people healthier behaviors, I guess just first understanding what's driving that desire and then working towards healing that is wonderful. So I'll make sure to have all of these programs in the show notes. And I feel like I can speak with you forever, Claire. So <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in from France. I know that the connection might be a little bit difficult, like in terms of Wi-Fi, but we made it happen. And I thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thank you so much, Maya. I was so, so happy. Yeah, thank you for doing this work. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Have a great one. Thank you. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. Thanks for listening.